Music for this podcast is provided by Ben Howington, the Mormon guitarist. Check out his YouTube channel, Mormon Guitar. Making a Missionary, Episode 4. One word, humility. That's it. Welcome to Making a Missionary, where I interview future and return missionaries and church educators to help prepare, motivate, and inspire you in your efforts to become a successful servant of the Lord. To teach and preach and work as missionaries do. Hey everybody, welcome to episode four. I am really excited to introduce you to my first returned sister missionary, uh, I had the opportunity to meet with Eliza Johnson. She returned from her mission just last year and is already married with a, a nine-month-old baby who you actually, in some small parts of the interview, you may hear a baby in the background. I tried to edit out as much as I could, but um, hopefully it's not. Uh, hopefully it's not too bad. But anyway, so Eliza, I met with her, and she... She was an awesome missionary. She was so cool. And her advice to future missionaries was very good. So before I cut to the interview, I want to invite you to go to my um, the show notes page for this episode. And you can do that by going to makingamissionary.org slash episode and then the episode number. I actually have show notes for each 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 episode I do. So the ones for, for this episode is makeamissionary.org slash episode four. And you can basically go to the show notes to see pictures and additional information about each return missionary or each person that I've interviewed. And I have a bunch of pictures of, of, um, of Eliza's mission. So I do that to kind of give you a little bit of a feel as to what their mission experience was like. So anyway, here's my interview with Eliza. Hey, everybody. Um, I have Eliza Johnson here. Eliza served in the Minnesota-Minneapolis mission from May 2013 to November 2014. She currently lives in Orem, and she's married to her best friend, who happens to be the younger brother of one of my best friends. Um, If you want to go back and listen to episode number two, you'll hear Matthew Johnson, and that's her husband. She, they are currently the parents of their eight-month-old Ollie, and she enjoys playing the piano and cooking new things. So what do you mean by cooking new things? Trying new recipes? Yes. Or? Pinterest gives me all sorts of varieties. Pinterest of, is great. Yes. Have you had any epic uh, Pinterest fails? Ooh, um, <laughs> mostly with baking. I'm not the baker, but I can cook. Okay. Okay. Yeah, cooking is... Um, is definitely an art. You have yes. to be familiar with the way foods work together. But with baking, it's like if you don't get everything exactly correct, measurements and everything, it's it's tough. My husband still loves me, though. Okay. So good. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. That is a great thing. All right. So let's go ahead and start with our with the, um, the uh, questions that I have for you. And the first one is, well, if I guess the first one we answered, you served in Minneapolis, Minnesota from 2013 to 2014. And my first one is, 
kind of taking you back to before your, hopefully before your mission. If not, that's fine. But um, the question is, when did you become converted to the gospel? Um, when I became converted to the gospel, I was, I just graduated high school and I attended a church history tour called Heritage Tours. And it's a three week long um, trip that you take across the country. You're in a bus for three weeks with people you've graduated with and you go to all the church history sites on the way. And um, our first stop was at the John Johnson home slash farm. And uh, that's in front of that home is where Joseph Smith got tarred and feathered. And um, in that home, there were, uh, I don't exactly remember what the tour guide was saying, but she told me that at one point, Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and Joseph Smith were all in that room. And I felt the spirit very strong. And uh, we were able to sit there um, after her little lesson and just reflect on the things she said. And I think I was the last one that left the room. And I just felt the spirit completely touch my heart. And right then, I really knew that everything that I'd been taught my whole life was true. And right then, I also knew that I could probably serve a mission, which I never really thought I would before. Oh, cool. So when you became converted, that's when you thought, maybe I should serve a mission. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Who is a spiritual giant you've always looked up to? And what trait makes this person such a giant in your life? Um. Honestly, the first person I thought of when I thought of a spiritual giant was a sister I served with in my mission, and her name was Sister Balif, and um, we were in MTC together, and we were able to serve, I guess, our whole 18 months together. We flew on the plane ride to Minnesota and home from Minnesota together. Um, we were never companions, but we did go on a few exchanges, and the reason why I think she's such a spiritual giant is because every single exchange I had with her, she was honestly the most positive, uplifting, inspired, enthusiastic, go-getter missionary I've ever met, and I feel like she never talked bad about anybody, and she just had so much faith to find so many miracles in the mission, and uh, she was a really big example to me of a spiritual giant. Thank you. Will you please share your favorite spiritual experience from your mission? Yes. So it was in my third area, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, actually. Our boundaries went out to Wisconsin. And um, we started teaching a lady named Patty. And when we first met Patty, she was probably the most glum-looking person you'd ever meet. She just had dark circles around her eyes, and she seemed to speak in monotone. Um, every sentence and her house was just dark and she just had this one yellow lamp and everything about her persona was honestly depressing and um, there was a few times even when we taught her she'd just like doze off and fall asleep <laughs> and, and we're like okay like is she even getting any of this anyway um, a few lessons after we first started teaching her we introduced the book of mormon and it kind of made her perk up a little bit because she liked to read and um, we introduced the Book of Mormon, told her what it was about, gave her the history of it. And she's like, yeah, I'd love to read it. And we thought, okay, cool. Maybe she actually will be interested in what we have to say. So um, we met with her time and time and time again. And over the course of many months, it was amazing to see the, um, the complete change that came over her through reading the Book of Mormon. And... There was literally 
a physical change that I saw. Her mm. countenance was glowing. Her eyes started shining. And I have never seen anything like that before because I heard my whole life that there's a power to people reading the Book of Mormon. But I never, like, actually saw it change someone physically as well as spiritually. And that was a huge testimony to me that, yes, the Book of Mormon, like, can completely change people, um, even the way they look, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. I That's interesting because the more people I ask that question to, the more I hear them say, we, you know, we had this certain investigator and it seems like that it's often, it's common that that, that investigator or the person that they know is very, um, they're almost noticeably more, uh, depressed or low Mm -hmm. and down than, than the average person. Yeah. But when they have that um, transference of the gospel in their mm-hmm. life, it completely changes them. That's awesome. And I've heard that. I've heard that a lot. That's very interesting. Thank mm-hmm. you. Do you still keep in touch with people you met in the field? I definitely do. Um, that could always be better. <laughs> but um, I call them. They call me. Facebook is always a good resource. Mm-hmm. Even Snapchat. Yeah. That's always fun too, getting little pictures from them just super quickly back and forth. So yeah, I try yeah. to keep my best to keep in touch with them. What is your favorite scripture? My favorite scripture is Romans eight, thirty-eight and thirty-nine. And it basically just talks about how there is absolutely nothing in the world that makes a list of all these things in the world that can separate us from the love of God. And that was huge for me, especially on a mission. I feel like it's really hard to sometimes love everybody you come in contact with because it can be difficult. But it's cool to think, okay, I'm a representative of Jesus Christ, and he loves these people, and Heavenly Father loves these people, and nothing in the world, no matter what commandment they're struggling with, can separate them from the love that he has for them. So what's the weirdest culturally different thing you did or ate on your mission? Um, You wouldn't think that there's anything super weird here in the States, but (laughs) what I found was pretty funky was bagged milk. And they mostly had that in Wisconsin more than Minnesota, but um, it's just literally milk in a bag and it comes in a little pitcher. And you just cut a little corner of the bag, and that's how it comes. Oh, really? Not in a carton, in a bag. So they call it bagged milk because they have the accent. The accent, <laughs> right. So is it, um, it's not, uh, is it refrigerated? Yeah, you refrigerate it. It's sold at a lot of gas stations, surprisingly, huh. more than stores. But yeah, it tastes good, if not better. I don't know. I don't know if really? it's because it was in a bag. I have no idea. Maybe it was it's, just my it's brain. Constant. But it's like I know. they're known for Yes, areas, maybe that's so. why. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> What's the biggest shock about serving a mission? Hmm. Biggest shock about serving a mission would have to be I just really didn't realize that I had to be with my companion like 24/7. Mm-hmm. Like the only time I could be away was in the bathroom. So yes, I did take as much time as I could in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> it was my little break, <laughs> me time. But that was really kind of hard for me (laughs) it depended on the companion but it was just funky to be with them nonstop. and i always caught myself actually they would catch me always drifting away they'd be like hey sister beeson come back over here (laughs) come on we gotta stick together so 
That was shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's a hard thing to get used to if you didn't grow up being with somebody at all times. At all times, yes. Will you explain in detail the most discouraging part of your mission and how did you handle it? Yes. So, again, in my third area, probably a lot of these experiences will happen in my third area because I was there for 11 months. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I, me and my companion were teaching a girl named Janelle, and Janelle was really interested in our church, although she was attending a Pentecostal church. She, um, I guess she just had some questions about the differences between the Pentecostal church and the LDS church. And she said, hey, sisters, I'm going to meet with my pastor to talk about the differences. And I don't want him to tell me the differences of our church and your church. I think it'd be important if you guys came along so I could get the full truth. Because sometimes there's misconceptions about both religions. So I'd love it if you guys could join me. And it made us a little nervous. We're like, okay, yeah, I guess we'll meet with your pastor with you. And so she's like, okay, meet me at this day, this time. So... The day came and we um, walked into this church. And honestly, when I walked into the Pentecostal church, I felt like I was at a mall. (laughs) (laughs) I walked in there and there's just a rock band playing. And there's like, yeah, a stage with lights and it smelled like coffee. And there was little gift shops and it was kind of interesting. So um, very worldly, very worldly. Yes, we start walking back um, to the end of the building where this pastor's office was. His name was Pastor Kim. And uh, we got in there, and right before we walk in the door, Janelle turns to us, and she's like, oh, and I forgot to tell him you guys were coming, so just so you know. And we're like, oh, okay. (laughs) That's not good. So we walk in the door, and he's just so kind to Janelle. He's like, oh, hello, Janelle. And then he sees us, and he just immediately looks bugged, I guess is the best word. And we introduce ourselves, and we're just trying to be kind and he I guess from the get-go just wasn't really having it with us being in his office um but he did invite us to sit down and he asked what he could do for us and Janelle said that she wanted to know the differences of our churches and he said okay what do you want to know first and so question after question um she'd ask and it drove me and my companion crazy because every time she'd ask me and my companion specifically what our take was on a certain subject, he would cut, like, cut in and he mm-hmm. wouldn't let us say anything that we wanted to say. Or if we did, uh, he'd just completely bash on what we said and say that yeah. it was false. And so it made it really difficult to even have a conversation. And me and my companion were just getting more and more frustrated, but it was hard because we still needed to be respectful towards him and be kind. And um, eventually, um, one experience that happened was he asked how we know, or no, Janelle asked how the Holy Ghost testifies of truth. And um, we answered first and we said, the Holy Ghost is also known as the comforter and it testifies of truth through our feelings, the feelings we have in our heart, a quick thought that may come to our mind. Um, There's many different ways the Holy Ghost can answer. And Pastor Kim completely shut that idea down and he said, nope, you can't trust your feelings. That's like saying that you can, uh, that he basically compared it to an adrenaline rush at like a basketball game. And 
we were just trying to tell him that's not how the spirit works. And um, he completely disagreed with us. And so I asked Janelle, I said, Janelle, tell me of two times, or not two times, tell me of a time that you felt the spirit. And she told us of two times where she felt the spirit through her feelings. And it was a very touching experience that she shared. And she even got a little emotional. And afterwards, Pastor Kim, he just very hypocritically said, oh, that's amazing. I can totally relate. So everything we just what? said, she confirmed. And then he agreed with her, but and not he us. he backpedaled when yes. she talked. So it was annoying. <laughs> but um, at the very end, we were there for a while. Um, we said, you know what? We are so grateful that you let us into our office on no notice. And we think what you do is great. And um, we'll see you later. <laughs> and um, he's like, thanks. I, I'm glad that you were able to come in. Um, you're welcome anytime, but I just really wish you guys spoke the truth. And we left it on that note. So it was just super hard. And me and my companion just got a little emotional after. We we're just kind of crying and angry. And we're like, ah, why did that right. have to happen? And anyway, um, then we just drove back to our church because we were having a little Book of Mormon study night. And the spirit was completely different just walking in our church from the Pentecostal church. It was such a different spirit. And it was just warm, welcoming faces. And they could tell that our eyes were a little red from crying. And everyone was just so kind. And it wasn't even that. It was just the spirit that you feel in church was completely different. So that was very discouraging. But I think what helped me and my companion most was just to really try to keep the spirit with us and to still be kind, even though... <laughs> Probably not Sister Breeson, but Eliza would fight back. Yes. (laughs) So. Well, that's very discouraging. Yes. (laughs) Um, What about your mission do you miss most? I miss just being able to wake up every single day and share my testimony with people and literally see changes in people's lives every single day. Whether it's someone we just tracked it into or someone that we've been teaching for a while, it's cool to see changes that can come over somebody from teaching them. It's cool. We were representatives of Christ and miracles happened all day, every day. So I miss that the most. What cultural things from your mission, if any, will you keep in your life? Um, I love the missionary schedule. It took a second to adjust to it, but waking up early and having a consistent schedule of reading scriptures by yourself and then with your family and prayer, I think that's something that is really important and that me and my husband and family have been trying to continue to do. And we've already seen blessings from keeping that in a consistent schedule. It's good to do it each day randomly, but it's nice to have the schedule like this is yeah. what we do each day at each time. If you're a soldier, do you want to put your um, armor on in the morning or right before you go to bed at night? Right. What was your biggest struggle on your mission? Oh, man. I loved the MTC. Loved, loved, loved it. And it was so hard to depart from everyone in my group. Um, Half of our MTC group was going to the Minnesota mission and the other half was going to the Utah Ogden mission. Mm -hmm. And so we separated. And that was just so hard. You get so close to those people within like two weeks, Mm -hmm. which sounds funny, but you really, really do. They become some of your best friends because you have so many spiritual experiences together. And so when I got out to the mission, um, 
It was like the most terrifying thing to separate from my MTC companion to go to a trainer. I was just yeah. horrified and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm leaving these people to an unknown place with a person I've never even met. And it was so scary. And I like I was excited at the same time. I thought, okay, like this is the beginning of my mission. Like I'm super excited. There's gonna be so many adventures ahead. But me and my trainer buttheads pretty bad. <laughs> and I I feel like I'm a pretty easygoing person, but I just got the vibe that she did not like me from the get-go, and that's how it was for six weeks, and honestly, I, like, prayed every night after, like, a week after I knew she really didn't like me, and this sounds horrible, but I feel like I really, like, begged God to transfer me, because you're supposed to be tra er, trained for 12 weeks, and I thought, Heavenly Father, please just let me be with her only for one transfer. I can't do two, and oh. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And my wish was granted. He is so wonderful. Yay. So <laughs> my biggest struggle ended quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's I've heard that from um, from multiple people too. Is having a because you're with like you mentioned you're with that person all the time. So if there is any companion that is hard to get along with for any reason, it's your turn. <laughs> yeah, it's like a burr under your saddle. It's just right. it's tough. Um, what was your biggest weakness as a missionary? Um, I think I had a lot of pride for a big chunk of my mission thinking that I could do a lot of things by myself. Um, and what I mean by that is I didn't rely on God as much as I was supposed to because, hello, I'm a missionary. I'm supposed to rely on God on everything. But um, I think I just felt like I could do a lot of things on my own and even like not with my companion's help either. And I got to the point where I think I was just going crazy and I just reevaluated everything and I was like, okay, I obviously need the Lord's help and I need my companion's help. It's not a one man job at all. What is your biggest strength that helped you as a missionary? Um, kind of connected with my weakness. I think eventually when I did that self-evaluation, I really felt my heart change and I thought, okay, no, I really need to have faith in the Lord and whatever I do. And, um, it was funny cause it happened when I was, I was with a companion, sister Merrill, and she ended up going home early for some health issues and she left our first week together of our second transfer together. So I had five weeks left without a companion. And so my mission president, he couldn't find any other sisters that he could send. And so he, um, went into his home or he went to his ward in Bloomington, Minnesota, and he found a young lady who was preparing to serve her mission and he asked if she'd like to volunteer to be a missionary for really? the remaining five weeks with me. Yeah. And she accepted and it was interesting because she was not only a recent convert, but she was returning to activity too. So oh, she wow. Really didn't know uh, hardly anything about the gospel, yeah. let alone missionary work. And so um, I remember we brought her to Eau Claire, and we were doing a quick planning before we had to go out and work. And I was just going over the day briefly with her. I said, okay, we're going to go visit so-and-so, do the service for this person, and then we're going to go tracting. And she's like, what's that? Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, we knock on random people's doors and we share the gospel with them. And she just looked horrified. And I was kind of scared, too, because it's hard to be with someone who hasn't even been through the MTC. I mean, they uh -huh. like really didn't. She didn't know hardly anything. And so 
We tracted probably the most I've ever tracted in my whole mission, that transfer, of oh. course. <laughs> and we found so many miracles. I honestly, I felt like that was the time I was like, okay, Heavenly Father is truly testing me if I'm going to have enough faith in him to do this mission with his help. <laughs> and I did. And he proved to me that it is his work. And so that became one of my greatest strengths. I was like, okay, wow. I need to rely on him from that moment on. So that's good. So being able to rely on him. Wow, that's, I've never, I'd never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Your companion was, so was a missionary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, okay, so now we're going to uh, the final part of our interview, which is the motivation round. The motivation round is sponsored by MyOilVault.com. Now there's a more convenient way to carry oil for blessings. At the size of a credit card and nearly indestructible, their convenient oil packets are perfect for your wallet, phone case, or purse. Visit makingamissionary.org oil and get yours today. Was there a specific moment that made you want to serve a mission? Yeah, I mentioned it when I first got converted was when I went on that Heritage Tours trip. Um, I never really cared to go in my life ever. It never crossed my mind. But in that moment, I thought, hey, I think I could do that. I want to share what I know to be true. What is the best spiritual advice you have to give to future missionaries? I love that quote um, that Gordon B. Hinckley got from his dad to forget yourself and go to work. That was huge for me on my mission. It's a common one. <laughs> Share a resource that was most effective in your preparation for your mission. Um, mission prep was huge, um, especially attending it weekly. I think that's important as well as weekly temple attendance to not skip out on that, but really try to, First, get used to a schedule because that's what you're going to be doing as a missionary. Um, but those things really help my spirituality. And um, in your opinion, what is the most important trait that contributes to being a successful missionary? One word, humility. That's it. Is there anything you want to hear about? Is there someone special you'd like to have featured on the show? visit my website at makingamissionary.org and go to the Contact Me page. I'm also available on Facebook at Making a Missionary and The Real Me on Twitter at Jake Hiram Nelson. Thanks for listening. Young. I'm pleased to announce that effective immediately all <coughs> worthy and able young men graduated from high school, or its equivalent, regardless of where they live, I have the option of being recommended for missionary service beginning at the age of 18 instead of age 19. We've also given consideration to the age at which a young woman might serve. Today, I'm pleased to announce that able, worthy, have the desire to serve may be recommended for missionary service beginning at age 19 instead of age 21.